Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your tits. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Hot, Body Dawson, Papa Mo. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? It's the Yesterday's Hero Odyssey! We're Woo! looking at the 1979 movie <laughs> Yesterday's Hero, written by Jackie Collins, directed by a sports photographer whose name I can't remember, starring Ian McShane as Rod Turner, Paul Nicholas as Clint Simon, <clears throat> Suzanne Summers as Cloudy Martin, and Adam Faith as Jake Marsh. And uh, we are at the stage where the team Saints have um, just um, won the semi-final of the Cup uh, there's some celebrations going on in the local disco and everybody's there. Everybody's gone to the local disco for a nice night out. That used to be the way, be... didn't it, back in the old days? They'd all go to Tramps. Mm. That's where everybody went. But I I do think, like, I saw... um, I saw... I know you're not a fan of this bloke, Jeremy Della, the artist, right? Yeah. And he did this documentary, which I did enjoy, and it was sort of like about rave music but he was trying that, to yeah. he was trying to tie it into a sort of a, a broader more grandiose sort of socio political cultural history mm. but at the beginning <clears throat> he did that thing that a lot of you know sort of uh, pop history does of making sweeping statements about what the world was like before and yeah. what it was like after and you get this in tv history a lot right and journalists as well, not you know, including myself, I've been guilty of this. You tend to say, "Well, I mean, the classic is, well, you've got to understand that in the nineteen seventies, everything was bleak. Everyone was out of work. There was rubbish yeah. piled up on the streets. Then all of a sudden, bang, punk happened, right? Yeah, and it's Freak just like week. strikes, yeah. lights out, blah 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 blah, right? And um, and the only music was like ELO and Rod Stewart, right? That didn't <laughs> speak to normal kids in the street about what was going on in their lives. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw the clash at Hammersmith, but and, and so they changed. do it all types of all types of history. And Jeremy Deller does it in this because he says, "Look at what nightclubs were like before rave happened, right?" And they show um, his the only source material he uses for what clubs were like prior to the Summer of Love, right in the in the yeah. late eighties. The only source material he draws upon is clips of the Hitman and Her, that programme that was presented by Pete Waterman <laughs> and Michaela Strachan. Yeah? Yeah. And I thought, that's not quite right, though, is it, Jeremy <laughs> no. Della? Right? I mean, Jeremy <laughs> Della was probably a child and, you know, an art, an art school type. Sorry if that comes across as rude. I would have loved to have gone to art school. That would have been great. Mm. I could see myself there, mate, being all arty, but no, it yeah. wasn't to be. But he was an art school type. And he's like, so the whole thing was, this is what clubs were like before. It was, and what, what he's basically saying, he goes, look at the people, right? Look at how they're dressed. Look at how they're behaving. And here's one interpretation. I'm not going to marry myself to this, right? But here's mm. one interpretation of what he's saying. What he's saying is this. 
Look at how nightclubs were before rave. They had working class people in them, getting drunk yeah. and having a good time. Yeah. But then rave happened, and look, it was middle class kids taking ecstasy. Mm. Brilliant. And mm. I sort of think, well, I'm not saying either's bad or good, but it's just, it's you know, you can't say that nightlife wasn't inclusive or fun or happy or creative, right? Or full of the things that people of that rave generation love to go on about, like love, right? Well, you can't say that none of that existed in in the nightlife in Britain before 1988 when people started taking ecstasy. You, you can't say that. Ecstasy changed a lot of things. But what I'm saying is, take it back to yesterday's hero, is you look at this scene and it looks fucking great. Now, I think I probably hadn't stepped foot inside a nightclub before 1990, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. And by the time I did, it's not like I was going to raves during that era because I was a bit mm. too young. But I probably started going to clubs when I was about 15, some clubs, and they were all probably been influenced by that stage, by the, the rave scene, right? Yeah. But you look at club. I'm looking at the hitman and her, which I don't think is reflective of all nightlife up and down the land. Apart well, from anything I mean, else, that's heterosexual nightlife. I mean, if you watch fucking It's a Sin, right? Yeah. As we said at the time when we both watched it, you look at the fucking scenes there, a lot of them are in the early 80s in yeah. nightclubs um, and pubs that were like part of the gay scene in London. And you think, well, that's fucking brilliant. Jeremy Dell is yeah. there going, nah, it's just all fucking Pete Waterman and a load of people who look like, what's his name? Yeah. Mickey people. Pierce out of Only Fools and Horses. People driving around in Capris and all that. Yeah, exactly. But, so, well, that's not bad. Um, I mean, yeah, I'll take for example, I'll, I'll use, I'll just use my own personal experience, use Sunderland as an example, mm. and maybe Newcastle as well, which is the, yeah. the, the town, the city that I knew when I grew up. And I didn't start to go drinking in club until 1988, which was about the time of the rave. But there was long established club nights for kids who were into metal. Right, and there was yeah. long established kids, uh, club nights for indie kids. Yeah. And goths and all mm. that sort of thing. And there was alternative places you could go. And as you said, there was the gear scene as well. Yeah, which was there was there was a, a gear kind of area of pubs and nightclubs in Newcastle, and and there was the Hitman and Her type nightclubs as well. But yeah. there was something for everyone. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't just fucking that one generic homogenous lump of yeah. exactly that rave thing was. Um, I mean, it's not like I'm not hating on the rave scene, but what I am saying is that you could say that the club like the one depicted here in yesterday's hero was more inclusive, right? Because yeah. different generations were there, different classes were there. You didn't have to be cool or trendy. You didn't even have to be particularly young. You didn't have to be on ecstasy. And you didn't have to... But let's not forget as well, is that the club scene, one of the best documentaries that I've seen in the last year was that Rodney P one about British funk and soul, yeah. right? Which all came before Rave. And in fact, he makes the point in that documentary. He goes, this is for anyone who thought that dance music only really took off and had its own culture um, in the UK after 1988, which was, you know, a largely white middle-class scene, Rave. Not completely. Mm. I mean, it was the old ICF who started most of the raves in the southeast of England, right? But the that's why they stopped fighting so much. They all started taking ecstasy. But yeah. the but 
uh, yeah, Rodney P does this thing. And again, it's not a scene that I was familiar with because I was a kid. But watching this documentary, all the fucking amazing nightclubs and the brilliant music. And what I would say about that music, right? So you got like post-disco. That is music that you don't need to take drugs to be really into. <laughs> That's the other thing. I mean, the music in this scene in the disco that they're in in Yesterday's Hero, there's really good disco music playing, right? Yeah. That you might have a couple of Malibus inside of you, but you don't need to take MDMA in tablet form in order to get it or like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as well, there were the blues parties as well, which were the house parties that the black community yeah. had because they, could, they yeah. weren't allowed into fucking they weren't allowed in regular nightclubs. nightclubs or they'd, they'd get the shit kicked out of them. Yeah. So... You know, Security just if... wouldn't let people with brown skin in, yeah. would they, back in those yeah. days? Yeah. Uh, Jeremy so... Della uh, was educated at Dulwich College. Yeah. Uh, which is where Nigel Farage went. And P.G. Woodhouse. And Bob <laughs> Monkhouse. And Bob Monkhouse. Fucking hell, it does sound quite a good school, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they were all there the same year. That would have been really good. <laughs> what a fucking leavers for but ball that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. <clears throat> no, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought as much about him. So, you know, always take someone from a rarefied elitist background giving you mm. their cultural assessment of Britain. It's always going to be rather narrow, you know. So, yeah, like yeah said, rave not, was great not. because any big creative youth movement that's geared towards having a good time and sort of, in some sense, governed by you know, an idea of love is you, ca- you can't knock it. You cannot knock that. Dancing and love <laughs> and music in a field. Great, lovely stuff. But uh, wrong to sort long, of suggest long, long, that that was the beginning and end of fucking dance culture. Long-term effects. It suggested that, yes, you might dance all the happiness out of your body and then end up very, very miserable when you're older. But yeah, we don't well, know. I mean, look, look, uh, in, that, in the rave generation, there is a huge epidemic of depression, yeah. mental health, anxiety, and all the rest of it. And yeah. you can't help but think, you know. I mean, I As sometimes think the drugs that I took uh, sort of broke something in my nut and made me get a little bit um, yeah. edgy. <laughs> you know, Possibly. You just, we just don't know. We just don't know. There's no way of telling. <laughs> it's down to God to decide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only God will judge me when I'm at the pearly gates and I will ask him, God, was it to do with, with all the gear and pills? And he may say yes, he may say no. We will find Guess out what? in due course. Guess what? I'll keep you guessing. No, I'll tell you. Yes. Yes, it was. Very it much was, so. It was. Of <laughs> course it was, you daft cunt. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're all in the disco, having a nice celebration. No ecstasy has been taken. Um and uh, yeah, uh, Jake Marsh has asked Cloudy for a dance, and she says, "Oh, it's so crowded." And he says, "Well, I can break the crowd, so I can surely break them," which was a weird thing to say. So she goes off onto the dance floor with him, and then over at another part of the nightclub, Rod, who of course is there with his teammates, and they're all completely shit-faced, <clears throat> proper proper drunk. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, this woman approaches him and says, "You're Rod Turner, remember me?" And Rod says, uh, "I've got, I've got a terrible memory for faces." Did I give you a horsey ride last summer? Is that where <laughs> I know you from? Did I give you a horsey ride last Saturday? 
<laughs> and one of his, his teammates says, did you not give her one? Oh, and, uh, oh, yeah. oh come on, mate. That's, <laughs> well, that's not... It. No. The woman, the woman looks at him and just says, "Go back to junior school, Sonny." Lovely, nice, nice line. Yeah. yeah, that's him putting his fucking box. And she says, "Come on, let's dance." And Rod says, "All right, we shall dance." <laughs> <laughs> and he removes his suit jacket. <laughs> Time for my jacket to be removed. because no gentleman will ever attempt to dance whilst wearing his suit jacket. So I'll put that on the back old- of that chair. There you go, Sonny, all this. Uh, he, he says, he actually says, now you'll see some moves. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of a Roy Race thing to say. Watch yeah. this, cunts. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great. There's it's a great um, dad thing to say as well. It, it's a really great, yeah. I'm already thinking of using that line next time I'm at a wedding in front of my daughter. Yeah. It's just the sort of thing that would be really effective at trolling her. Yeah. Right, now go. you'll see some moves. I was going to go and have a little dance. Now you see some moves. <laughs> and he almost falls over on his way to the dance floor. Obviously, right. it's proper overdrunkenness, proper drunk acting. Yeah. Uh, he looks a bit like David Dickinson, actually, if you just squint a little bit, which is <laughs> quite unpleasant. And I saw David um, Dickinson at the airport once in Sardinia. Did you? And he, he skipped the line. Like, but the the British Airways staff seemed to be happy for him to do it. And another, really? no, not British Airways, EasyJet. And another time in Sardinia, I think I've probably told you this. I was on the same EasyJet flight as Peter Crouch and what's his missus called again? Abby, Abby Clancy. Clancy. Yeah, and they were both given extra special privileges as well. And I, really? in both cases, because it was just EasyJet, I couldn't. Which means that there's not really like. A fancy first-class cabin. But in both cases, these celebrities were sat right near the front, at the very front, right. so you get extra yeah. legroom, which particularly for Crouchy. Yeah. And, but they also seem to, like, skip <clears throat> cues, and also when they got mm. off the plane, there was um, one of those sort of golf buggies came and collected them. What? Yeah, we, this was with Crouchy and Clancy. So they wouldn't I didn't have to resent get on them the, personally. The, they wouldn't have to get on the bus... That goes yeah. 100 metres from the plane to the yeah. terminal. They're not fucking getting on that. Because, I, I mean, I especially with Crouch. If, Crouch. if Crouch is on that and everyone's stood up holding onto the little handrail things, oh, nightmare, yeah. everyone's going to be seeing him because he's fucking a foot taller than every other country. Yeah, he can't keep a low profile. Stood there. He? I just was fascinated as to whether or not that was something you could pay for. Like if you were mm, an elite. I bet it is. An elite individual. But they don't mm. advertise it. But you can get your people, like your PA, yeah. to call yeah. up EasyJet Premium yeah. Services, do some back channel stuff, and go. Listen, I've got Crouchy and Abby Clancy coming on the EasyJet out of fucking Olbia, <clears throat> right? Back to Gatwick. We can't have him on that bus from the plane to the building because he's seen a fucking. Him? He's like a giraffe. They'll all be looking <laughs> at him and try to touch him. He's going to need a special seat. He's going to need to be able to skip the queues and he's going to want one of them fucking golf buggies as well. Can you sort it out? Need, he's going to need front seat for legroom minimum. If you can put him up in the fucking cockpit, that would be ideal. Yeah. If there's he somewhere would, he can stretch out. He has said that if the captain allows him in the cockpit, he is happy to answer up to three questions about his footballing career in the course <laughs> of the two-hour flight. He asked me to ask you if he can go in the hold with the bags if you'll put a mattress in for him. <laughs> so he can he stretch said, out. 
No, he said you'd say that. He said you'd say no, but he said that there's always dogs and sometimes cats down there in cages, and why couldn't he be in a cage? <laughs> He'd be happy to look after them and keep them company if they he get scared. He could talk to them and amuse them because he's worried that a lot of them will be quite distressed. <laughs> well, only His only rule is no snakes. He doesn't like snakes. And he's also made the quite fair point, how can you contain a snake in a cage? It'll slither out through the fucking bars. And believe me, Crouchy is obsessing over this. <laughs> he is he's, obsessing over it. It's because he, he saw that film with Samuel L. Jackson, Snakes on a Plane. And ever since he saw that, it's a jo- we've had a job even convinced him to get on a plane. He wanted to fucking sail there. But Abby was like, no, I'll get seasick. So she's one out and they're flying. And it'll, t- it'll take fucking six days to get there. Time to come <laughs> over again. It's no holiday. Jalapeño. <laughs> Jalapeño. So he said, all right, I'll fly, but what are we going to do about the snakes? So if he's down there, right, and he can see with his own two eyes there are no snakes down in the hold, he'll be happy as Larry. He'll be happy as a pig and shit. You stick him down there in his cage, you'll <laughs> chat to the dogs, it'll be fine. He looked at the get in a camper van and just stayed in the UK on one of them staycations, but I mean, have you seen how small they are? A man like Peter Crouch can't stand up in a camper van. Now, some of them have that sort of roof that you kind of pull up and it's like soft top, and it turns into a sort of half van, half tent. And that does give you extra headroom to stand up in, not for crouching. Well, he can't dog. move around. He can't he move can't around. Move. He's just to stand still. That's he can no stand holiday. up, stretch his legs, which is something, but still. He likes to, he's on holiday. He likes to get move around a bit, you know. <laughs> so what he said, if you could do that for him, he's happy to fork out an extra 150 quid. <laughs> no, not each. That's for him. That's to cover him and Abby. And Abby. Abby doesn't have to sit in the hold, though. She she in will. Fact, she's quite insistent that she won't. <laughs> uh, and even if he can't do the thing with the old, she doesn't want to sit next to him on the flight anyway. Crouchy has said he wants some paperwork. A certificate is what he describes it as, but I'm not sure. He might have got a bit muddled up. He wants a formal <laughs> certificate that guarantees there will be no snakes at, at loose on this aeroplane. I know, I know, I told him, I don't think such a thing exists, but he said that you should be able to provide him, your legal department should be able to provide him with a certificate saying guaranteed no snakes on this plane. And he's also happy to pay an extra 30 quid to cover the admin. <laughs> to have it printed up, and he wants it framed for some reason. I don't, don't ask me why. But he says he, he will 30. cover the price of that. He said 30. You know, you, know, you know when you ring up and get your driving insurance changed and they, they say, well, it's 30 quid extra admin. He's based it on that. He says he'll pay 30 quid extra for you to put a letter in. He says that's in. fair. 30 quid. He cannot imagine He's not going how any the so-called that. admin could cost more than 30 now. So he thinks he's actually being very generous. <laughs> he thinks they'll end up being a drink in it for you, <laughs> even after costs. <laughs> <laughs> he said, is it too much to ask for a frame certificate guaranteeing no snakes on my flight to Albia? <laughs> for 30 quid, I think that's worth it. And I mean, I'm not guaranteeing anything, but if you put him in the old, he might leave behind a pair of boots or a training top that you can maybe then auction later on on or eBay. Or so you can't wear it. Signed you photo of him making his England on the 21 debut, something like that. Yeah. So thank God. If you get back to us by the end of the day, we'll uh, we'll proceed with the booking. I can push this. I can push this deal through. If not, 
there's still we've still got a camper van camper van on pencil with a, a lad it's a private person he he owns it there's bloke I've made contact with on the internet he owns it and he goes away with his missus but on the weeks they're not using it they rent it out through this website <laughs> called mycamper.com and it's quite it's a lot cheaper than doing it through one of the big firms we got you got to go and pick it up he lives in Northampton that's not too far from Crouchy so it's alright I mean it's quite central for the old country if you think about it doesn't matter where you are you're only a couple of hours away from Northampton so they know what they're so, doing uh, that's nice uh, but you've got to look after it because the fellow will go round and he'll point out all the chip marks and all the scuffs on it before you go and then you've yeah, got to get it inspected like, when you come back he takes photos of it all on his phone yeah it's up to you you know it depends on what you want it <laughs> there's fabric upholstery on the little sort of L-shaped sofa they've got in the back and uh, there's a no smokers policy anyway so you shouldn't be smoking in there either way but if you are and you get a burn in it he'll fucking know they still got the plastic on the upholstery because I mean it's better be safe than sorry isn't it <laughs> I mean for me I've said to Crouchy it'll be fucking more anxiety than it's worth because you'll get this thing but you'll be that fucking worried about making any so much as the tiniest mark or scratch inside or out. <laughs> but you won't relax. You won't relax. And that's what holidays are supposed to be about. Relaxing. <laughs> Have a couple of drinks. Chill out. Can't you won't be that. able to. He'll be checking everything. He'll be wiping down surfaces non-stop. Like when you get a new pair of trainers. Ah... <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, yeah, uh, Rod looks like David Dickinson slightly. <laughs> That's how we got to that. Um, and he's swirling around the dance floor. He looks like he's in need of help, really. He looks fucking lost. I don't Swir- think it goes far enough. I call this move the, the swirl. <laughs> Look at this. Stand back. Everyone stand back. I'm about to do some swirling. <laughs> I'm like a human slinky. Oh, look at me go. <laughs> I learned this Thanks all my house in America. <laughs> It, 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 to be fair it doesn't go far enough it should go into one of those ones where uh, the camera starts to swirl around yeah. and the music goes in and out and yeah. we get an insight into what's going on in Rod's mind at the time you know, I, maybe I a might, point of view thing from Rod himself the, what you're talking about the mm. I know exactly what you mean that kind of disco camera work yeah the best where they're what you know you've got a couple and they're holding hands and both spinning and it cuts mm. between their um, respective POVs, which I think yes. is done in Saturday. Maybe it was created in Saturday Night Fever, a wonderful film. Yeah. But the best disco scene ever committed to camera mm. was in the first ever series of Dallas when Bobby... Hell. I wasn't Bo- expecting that. <laughs> no, Bobby and Pam uh, go to, like, quite early... In their in the in the series, they're still portrayed yeah. before Bobby gets super serious. He's like the young kids; they're the young cool couple, and they yeah. go to a disco together. And Pam, if I remember rightly, I suspect you're looking at now, is in an all-in-one disco suit that's white, uh, right? And I can't remember Bobby's just got his shirt yeah. quite undone. Yes, and they fucking start dancing in this disco, and it is a you wouldn't think a disco in Dallas would even be allowed because. You think of Dallas as being probably quite a conservative place where they would outlaw disco music. But yeah. this disco looks the nuts. And Bobby and fucking Pam absolutely own this discotheque. Wow. Are you watching yeah. it? It's incredible, I'm watching isn't it? it? The wallpaper seems to be made out of carpet. 
Yeah, Fucking well, hell. that's just one of the things that's Bobby good about Palmer, it. Uh, I'm just skimming through it. Bobby and Pam have just entered. Whoa, wow, Pam's top. My yeah. God. Leaves nothing to the imagination. And then, Their is he called Ray? Oh, sensational. Ray? He was one of the Oh, yeah, he was the half-brother, wasn't he? Something like that. He's there with Charlene, and she's trying to get it off get off with him. Raise here. Um, <laughs> fucking Pam's doing some brilliant dancing. Raise oh, coming down. She's shaking her tush. Bobby's dancing oh along there God, with his yeah. tank leather jacket on. It's a weird wow. choice by Pam to go to a disco in a quite chunky cable knit polar neck, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Wouldn't you say? Because it's hot in there and she's wearing a really big, but her dance moves are incredible. And to be fair, Bobby's pulling out some fucking good moves as well. Jesus Christ, that's brilliant. Oh, and then Bobby intervenes in between. Whoa, Bobby's just punched Ray in the face. And Ray's gone flying right across the disco floor. It's in the area where there's tables and chairs where people relax when they're not dancing. But Bobby's got his shirt open. He's wearing a, it looks like a gold chain around his neck. Um... Rhea gets up. There's a bit of fucking to, to and fro going on between them. Oh, this is too long to just cover him. Fucking hell. This, Ray's this got needs quite to be, the outfit on as well, hasn't he? This needs got to be a big history red box. scarf. This needs to be a history box episode, I think. The, the Dallas thing about, Disco. Yeah, I mean, this would be a great history box episode. But the thing about um, Bobby is, although he was always portrayed as the nice guy of the Ewins, he didn't have to throw a lot of punches. Mm. You know, think of that, the amount of times he punches JR. I mean, yeah. admittedly, well, JR drives that, him to it, but. He's, he's, it's, it's the dynamic of the family, isn't it? JR is the kingpin, and Bobby's just the younger brother who's regarded as not a serious figure. Isn't yeah. He? Bobby but wants Bobby to be taken is seriously. constantly punching JR. I mean, yeah. ultimately, mate, you're not going to get taken seriously if at the first sign of trouble you fucking chin your brother. I mean, one, well, once he's... in a while it's okay, but he was doing it non-stop from what I remember. Maybe he's trying to just punch his way to the top. Oh, I'm Bobby Ewing. I'm the nice guy of the family. But if you annoy me, I will punch your oh. fucking head off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be taken in by that Mr. Nice Guy stuff. If you cross the line with me, bang, I'm quick to punch. <laughs> I'm I've got an itchy fist. I'm going to keep punching you, JR, until you realise I am better than you and you hand over the control of the company to me. And don't just and take the it from me. End. Ask Ray, our half-brother. I punched him up the disco the other day. <laughs> Why? Well, I didn't need a reason so, he turned up wearing this big fucking dopey red neckerchief. <laughs> so I punched his head in. I punched Cliff Barnes. I punched any cunt. <laughs> you know, my attitude is... Punch first, think later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby if Ewing. It, if it ain't punched, punch it. <laughs> yeah, I might get a T-shirt with that on it as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that looks like a good scene. We'll, uh, we'll, mm. we'll add that to the list of things that we'll cover yeah. in the future. <clears throat> uh, right, where are we now? So he's yeah, dancing. So- He's on the dance floor. He's having a bit of a swirl around. He looks he looks in big need of help. Um, and Jake is dancing with Cloudy. And he says, listen, why don't you have a word with Clint about Rod? Which is a bit fucking sneaky. He's got, yeah, Clint, sneaky he's got Cloudy too. on the dance floor just to try and get yeah, her here and get him to nah. do something mm. about, G- about, um, about Rod. 
And she says, what about? And Jake says, well, get him dumped off the team. So what's, what do we think is going to happen here? Is he think that Cloudy Martin is going to go to Clint Simon and say, I think you should dump Rod off the team? And he's going yeah. to listen. Sort of elaborate fucking process. Yeah, what I'm going to do is I've got it all planned out. I've got it all planned out. I'm going to go to the disco. I'm going to get chatting to that Cloudy. I'm going to get. Her, I'm going to ask her for a dance. Then while I'm dancing with her, I'm going to tell her to ask the man, the club owner, to dump Rod out of the team. Fucking yeah! This is a watertight plan. It's pathetic. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this is this is Jake Marsh who's supposed to be a really good, tough manager. He's yeah. described as a bastard by everybody who comes across yeah. him. And, and he's this trying is to the do best idea conniving got. little shit like this. If you want to drop a play, if you want a player out of the team, you're the manager. Take care of it, mate. Go and yeah. speak to Clint yourself. Convince him of your point of view. Don't go running to his. It's not even his girlfriend. Just to go running to some mate of yeah. his. Fucking ridiculous. So he says, "Yeah, get him dumped off the team." And she says, "I'm not a messenger. Tell him yourself." Quite right. Yeah, mm. you're not a messenger. You're a pop star. I'm Cloudy. <clears throat> I'm Cloudy Martin. I'm a pop star. And uh, uh, Jake then says, "You're such a clever girl. You're smart." I don't know yeah. why he says that. It's almost as creepy as when he says, uh, what was it he said? I can make the crowd so I can surely break them. He's off his fucking face, fuck, isn't yeah. he? Saying all sorts of fucking nonsense. <laughs> Babbling complete crap to her that he thinks... Thankfully. I mean, he's, he's got so drunk, he thinks, I've. he's decided in his head, I've, I've got the gift of the gab. I can <laughs> say anything, and it's just these girls just fall for it. They just think I'm marvellous. <laughs> I'm Jake Marsh. I've got into the final of the cup uh, in League One, um, and thankfully this uh, this is all broken up because Rod then falls into them after he's been doing his swirling. He stumbles into them, um, and as Roy Keane would would probably say, there was a bit of pushing and shoving. Pushing and shoving. <laughs> Can't quite remember what happened. <laughs> so there's some pushing and shoving goes on. Uh, Rod takes a swing at Jake, which is good because he's just been suspended from the team by Jake. So this is ideal uh, behaviour. Um, uh, he takes a swing at Jake and misses and falls over. And Jake shouts, get him out of here! Among all the kerfuffle. And Rod is escorted from the dance floor. And he's on his way to being escorted from the premises. Um... Jake then says to Cloudy, sorry, let's continue the dance, shall we? Good luck with that, you cunt. Cloudy says, you know what, Jake? I'm so smart, I'm just going to pass on the whole thing. I just don't like you very much. There you go. That's fucking Jake. That's a really good thing, Matt, because very often um, you read quite a lot of things and like girls will not come out and be that brutal when... I'm not. I don't think being brutal with people's feelings is advisable. But sometimes, if someone is really being a creep and like fucking taking Berties mm. and being a twat, it serves everyone better for you to sometimes not be polite and just go. Do you know what? I don't like you. Yeah. Well, this is what this is what women have got to put up with. They've got to put up with unwanted attention from blokes, and then they and always they, end up uh, trying really to be polite, being polite to, try to and not hurt their feelings. Av- well, even not even that. Just to avo- avoid. Avoid any aggression that mm. might come from them being rejected. Yeah. So it, it it happened earlier in this scene where Jake asked her for a dance and she said, "Oh, it's so crowded." She was playing, just trying to say, "I don't want to," because the dance floor's so crowded. But really, she just didn't want to dance with him. 
Um, but obviously it didn't take no for an answer. And um, yeah. Uh, and then she's just being honest with him. I'm so smart, I'm just going to pass on the whole thing. I just don't like you very much. And um, we'll leave it there because Rod is about to leave uh, the nightclub and Cloudy intervenes. And then it gets very interesting after that. So we'll cover that next week. Um, thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back next time. Um, always dance with your head up and your eyes forward. Dance like nobody's watching.